Hello, it is a wintry, rainy night here on this February evening. Um, I have been wanting to talk for a while about an issue that is very wide, no, widely known. And what I'm going to say tonight is going to revamp the definition of what people have assumed it to be. Um, this is based on clinical experience combined with my intuition. And um, over time, when I see things over and over again, I just like pick up on things from different, you know, different information that I've amassed over the years and over the people that I've met with. And um, truths come out. And so tonight we are going to reveal the truth about colic, in my experience. Um, so colic is known as a, a tummy upset due to gas in the, um, in the abdomen. And uh, it causes babies to scream, um, usually for a certain pattern of time a day and usually for around six weeks to three months at a very, very early age. Um, so we're looking at the first few months of life that this is happening. And uh, the babies scream, they are uh, described as inconsolable um, or it is very hard to get them to stop crying. And even then they might just start up again and this will go on for hours. You know, parents rocking their babies, trying to soothe them, trying to um, calm them, trying to get them to sleep or at least to stop crying. Um, I have seen a pattern. And even a few years ago when I saw this, I saw colic as part of a pattern, which I'll discuss now. Um, babies who had colic were likely to have jaw tension issues, neck issues that would sometimes show up from the age of like three to five as biting um, or between five to seven um, teeth grinding, clenching. I once witnessed a boy with shaved down teeth bite off half of his button from his shirt wall in a healing session. Now that takes a lot of jaw strength and uh, tension in the jaw in order to be able to break a button off of his shirt. Um, he was, I think, five or six at the time. And um, you could see there's a sign if these kids are really grinding their teeth a lot their teeth will be shaved down to the same height. And sometimes till they're really short and the teeth will not, will not uh, look even like they'll look like small mini teeth um, because in really bad cases, because they've been ground down so much. Um, it can also cause behavioral outbursts like violent outbursts, screaming, thrashing around. Um, this is due to the pain that these kids have 
based on the tension that I felt in their necks. Um, some of them don't know how to express it. Some of them will get violent, have these violent outbursts, um, behavioral outbursts, like I just described, and some of them will go quiet because they're in so much pain. Um, and it's just drawing on so much of their strength to try to focus, try to deal with the pain that they'll just get very, very quiet. And then later on in life, we see issues of TMJ. TMJ stands for the temporal, temporal mandibular joint, but it is also the nickname for temp, temporal mandibular joint dysfunction, um, which is lockjaw. It's otherwise known as lockjaw which is a painful um, dysfunction of the jaw, a symptomology of the jaw when the um, joint, the jaw joints get um, inflamed, they can dislocate, they get very, very tight it's due to muscle, muscle tension. Um, it can also be due to Braces, which force the jaw into a position that's not natural for it, causing inflammation and dysfunction in the jaw. Um, so if you give a kid that had colic, has these symptoms, braces, you're setting them up for some uh, probably chronic um, until taken care of. TMJ, uh, teeth pain, um, clenching at night, um, neck pain, possibly migraines, among other things. So those are just um, some of the things that I saw in this pattern of behavior. And then when I started working, I, I opened up to my intuitive skills and started really allowing space for my intuition in the healing sessions, in my uh, transact, my communications with my clients, my experiences with my clients, um, I got an even clearer picture. And we often see this in cranio, and we see this in people um, when we treat them later on in life, that there are some infants, and this can happen even if this isn't true for the infant, but let's just take this through the whole, because this is, this is part of the pattern that I now see, the expanded pattern. There are infants that when they come into this world, their soul, their energy struggles to come into the body or struggles to stay in the body. Um, so let's just look into this briefly. I'm not going to go into this too much, but when the soul is incarnated, it agrees to its incarnation. And sometimes it can be difficult for a soul to agree to be reincarnated, but um, it is possible for them to be, you know, brought to the decision, swayed or, you know, convinced, or they come to this decision of, yes, I am going to come in. This is an important incarnation and I will do it. And the soul takes on its... Um, its purpose for that lifetime. However, and I've not just seen this with infants, I've seen this in adults who are still struggling with this. And I know it to be true for myself. 
Just because the soul agrees doesn't mean it doesn't have second thoughts. And so there can be women who go way past term and then even then the baby's not descending and they need different types of intervention to have the baby uh, birthed and delivered. Um, there are babies who the moms will go into labor um, but the babies just don't descend and they can do all the spinning babies and do, you know, different holistic um, treatments and all these different positional things to try to help the baby descend. But that baby is making a statement, I don't want to come down. Now, sometimes that can just be like if, someone's if someone is brought to be induced for medical purposes and the baby's not ready. Um, but sometimes the baby's not going to be ready. The baby, it's not because uh, it's being induced early. Um, sometimes the baby's just not ready because it's having those second thoughts and hesitating to come down. Now, this can, again, look very differently, but one could expect to see a baby who's having difficulty descending. And then it could be that the baby will be born and be received with love and feel totally happy and calm in its body and will seat itself, its energies in its sacrum and be comfortable there and be great. Um, other babies will eventually come out, yes, um, sometimes under distress um, because the pushing that's been going on while they have been refusing to descend can cause the skull to hit up against the sacrum over and over and it can cause um some sort of uh i don't want to say contusion but it is a bruise of some sort there is from a cranio balance perspective from looking at it as the mechanism of the bone hitting against the bone the the cranium of the of the fetus that's on its way to be born, hitting up against the sacrum, trying not to come out while the mom's body is in labor. And so it's pushing down and bearing down and all that weight, all that pressure is pushing the baby out um, and baby's not coming down. So that can also lead to different issues. Um, I'm not going to go into them all now, but... Uh, it's one of the biggest reasons why I feel like it's so important to have cranial therapists in the delivery room or to have a cranial T-pull soon after birth. Um, because even in a regular labor, you know, even if the pushing is just a few minutes, sometimes it could still um, be indicated. But definitely if the pushing's gone on for a while, if the baby's having a hard time descending. Um, so... Even if there's mild tension left in the cranium after a birth like that, um, that can create big uh, repercussions later on. Um, and one of the things is also that the cranium is kind of getting, like the body's being pushed down, the cranium's stopping it, and so the spine, so the, the top of the spine, is being pushed up against the occiput. Um, there's pressure being put on the base of the skull and that can also cause basically the symptomology that I just listed before that can last for a person through years and decades if not treated um, 
is the that's what can happen. That's the result of the occiput being jammed um, of the sac of the cranium hitting up against the sacrum, etc. Um, so again, warmth and love, loving touch, good bonding, nursing, all these things can help decrease the negative effects or heal the, the infant. Um, but sometimes the baby is still not fully ready to be in this world. And so um, we can see that with unrest, poor sleeping habits, um, and sometimes actual fear or signs of fight and flight, signs of trauma in the fetus, um, which is fascinating oh, to meet a fetus and they're ready to tell you this whole story or you feel and see the signs of fight and flight on them and they're like seven months old and you're like, oh my gosh, like this being nine months old, two weeks old and you see physical and emotional and sometimes spiritual signs and symptoms um, of this fear that this soul has, you know, come into this world with and is therefore, and one of the other issues is fleeing from their body. And this is why I started talking about before that that's not necessarily just in infants. That's something that we see in adults as well who were exposed to trauma either serially um, or over a long period of time, or one major trauma, their bodies can, their energy can try to, their soul can try to flee their body. Um, and in a mild case, what this can look like is someone who doesn't seem very grounded or um, is disconnected with the lower half of their body, seems to be at unrest, seems discoordinated, uh, uncoordinated, um, so many different ways, uh, but to an extreme way, uh, I can give you an example, um, because I lived like this for a while with a lot of my energies, most of my energies outside of my body. Um, and, um, I would work out for years and I wouldn't really see a major change in muscle tone. Yeah, I could see that I'd worked out, but I wouldn't see that I'd really been putting on strong muscle. And then when I finally, thank God, a few years ago, fully came into my body, then I started seeing muscle mass really building and, and strong, hard muscle structure. Um, so that's another example. But in an extreme example, um, someone will have a feel, like an outer body experience while they're awake, which can be very scary for someone to go through. Like they can't feel their body Um but they're there, like they're awake, they're aware, and they just feel like they can't feel their body. So really, really important if there are signs and symptoms in an infant to get that taken care of so that they're not dealing with it when they're two or five or 15 or 20 or 60. Um, and going to a, a craniotherapist or a good intuitive healer who you trust um, even going for reflexology, different things that can really acupuncture as well. Um, again, with a with an intuitive healer, with someone who's really working one on one with that patient, and not just looking at the clinical side of things, but looking deeper. Um, what happens with me in healing sessions is I have full communication with these infants, sometimes with fetuses, but 
with these infants, uh, young children. And uh, sometimes I hear their story. Sometimes I just hear their fear. Um, and just the goal is to try to help them be comfortable in their bodies. And um, the body and the soul work in tandem. So if the body gets calmer, then the soul will feel calmer. And if the soul feels calmer, the body will get calmer. So we can work from both ends and simultaneously um, to try to help the baby or toddler or young child or teen or adult um, who's having a hard time with this. We can help them, uh, help encourage them to sit more comfortably, more fully in their body. Um, I use flower essences as well, uh, acupressure points um, come in handy, but really it's just um, a beautiful um, process to watch someone go from a place of that unrest, difficulty sleeping, difficulty being inside their body to feeling at home in their own skin. Um, so back to the colic. It is my belief here we go, drum roll, that colic is not a baby crying because he has gas pains. It is my belief that the baby is crying because he has come into this world with memories, with wounds, with traumas from past lives, and that's what we're here to heal in this incarnation. And he is simply expressing his sadness, anger, fear, distress, grief, whatever it is, because each infant has their own unique story. Mine was one of grief and very bitter disappointment, difficult, difficult disappointment, and a feeling of being abandoned. And just, and I had colic. <laughs> And so it is the fact that the baby is crying and expressing him or herself and healing and trying to get it out in it, I believe, perhaps just to express it, perhaps in an attempt to self-heal, to be able to be more comfortable in their body, because after all, they did reincarnate. Um, but that's what leads to them gulping for air because they're crying so, so hard, so miserably. So, you know, it's, it's hard to listen to, right? A baby in colic, but, uh, they're expressing themselves and, um, that leads to them gulping in air, which leads to the gas pain, but not not the other way around. It's not the gas pain leading to the crying. It's the crying leading to the gas pain. So anyone knows a colicky baby, start by, instead of shushing that baby, which is something that we, so many of us automatically do, telling that baby, I hear you. Tell me your story. I hear your pain or frustration or fear or anger or whatever it is that you're hearing. Listen to the tone of the cry and be with that baby and let them talk. And if that's not enough, you hold them and love them and 
do skin on skin. You do whatever you can to soothe them, not major shaking, not, you know, whatever you can to soothe them. And if that doesn't help, then you find someone who, like me, an intuitive healer, someone who can help uh, try to communicate, can communicate with them and make their bodies a more comfortable place for them to be and uh, help them help initiate their inner physician to help them um, find their path to being able to be comfortable. And that can be achieved. Um, sometimes all it takes is just being held and listened to by someone who can hear what they're saying. Um, so that is the epiphany, the mind shift, the perspective shift on colic, the redefining of colic. And if anyone wants to reach out to me about any of this, feel free to just uh, shoot me an email at B-E-I-T-R-O-G-A, Beit Roga, B-E-I-T-R-O-G-A, strudel, gmail.com. And I'll be happy to hear um, your experience, your feedback, your response, um, your story. All right, please share this with anyone who you think uh, would like to hear this. And um, have a wonderful evening. Don't forget to listen to what people are really trying to say, whether a, an unborn fetus, a newborn infant, a five-year-old, a 12-year-old, an 18-year-old, 22-year-old, or a 65-year-old. Listen to what people are really, really saying. That's Healing from the Holy Land this February. Have a good evening.